Hey, Faith Promise, how are we doing this weekend, hi? Man. Woo! You guys look great. We want to welcome you whatever campus you're at, Blount County, North Knox, Anderson County, Campbell County, our internet campus, our Pellissippi campus. It is so great to see you. We are on the journey. You won't if you don't, and it has been rocking. Last weekend, we set a new record attendance on a regular weekend, 5,500 worshipers last weekend. And so I truly believe that we'll break that record this weekend. Blunt County pushing 900 last weekend. Those guys are rocking it over there. And so every campus guide is moving. Now, the theme of the year is you won't if you don't, and it is you won't rip if you don't sow. But right now, we are already sowing. We're not, I mean, already reaping. We're not talking about waiting until December until we reap a harvest. It's already happening. I have never heard more buzz about people in the Bible. Families reading together, people are asking questions, they're emailing, Facebooking, they're saying, what does this mean, and what about that, and why in the world do they have so many wives? All those things, and you know, what's going on with these people in the Old Testament, and all that kind, and, and, and so families are reading together, it is just so cool, and then the 21-day fast, people are fasting that have never tried before, God's answering prayer, God is moving out, a pastor friend of mine at a, at a uh, business meeting in Florida, run into a couple, and after the meeting, he could tell the guy was a believer, he said, hey, you go to church? He said, well, we live in Maryville, Tennessee, and we haven't found a church. He said, hey, one of my best friends is a pastor in Knoxville. They got a campus in Maryville. He said, what's the name of the church? Faith promised the guy, said, that's right around the corner from our house. And so they came a couple weeks ago, fell in love with it. They're fasting with us. They're in the Word of God together. They're reading together. And my friend, amen. So now... What my friend Terry said, tell the church, if I can get people to come from Central Florida, they can work it in East Tennessee. So let's get busy, but it's exciting. And, uh, and he ran into them uh, two weeks later and said, hey, man, what do you think? They said, we've been looking for that for years. We are there. We have found home. And so, and so God is already giving us that harvest. It's already moving. Now, how many really want a hundredfold harvest this year? Anybody? Anybody in the house? All right. Now, as we move forward, some of you are thinking, well, I don't know about me. And come on, Chris. Yeah, I believe God can do it because the Lord of the harvest. And is the Lord of the harvest limited? No. See, God is not limited. But what so many of us do is we look at our circumstances and say, well, I can't have that harvest. Look at the economy and my business. Or, or you know, I've tried to lose weight or I've tried to read the Bible before and I've failed. And, and so, man, I just don't know. And people are so easy to give up before they reap a harvest. But, you know, God told Joshua, you guys go in the promised land. I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to take care of the enemy. See, God is not limited by time or space. He already knows what we're going to face. He's already bringing to bear what you need to receive a hundredfold harvest. Does that make sense? we just got to walk by faith regardless of the circumstances. Too many of us look at the situation instead of looking at God. Because God can always make a way. Genesis 26, 12, our theme verse for the year. And Isaac planted in the land. And in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold harvest for the Lord Blessed him. And so again, our theme is, is, is you won't if you don't. If you don't, if you don't sow, you won't what? Reap. It's one of the most important series that we have ever done. So if you've missed a message, we always have free DVDs and CDs at Resource Center at every campus. You can go online, download it, iPod it, 
you know, podcast it. You can listen, you know, go to faithpromise.org, whatever. And so it is so many ways for you to get it. So I want to challenge you to get that. The psalmist said in Psalms 126.5, Those that go forth weeping, bearing pressured seeds, shall Dallas come again, rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. And what, as I was meditating on that verse this week, the psalmist was sowing, and we're all sowing, right? All right? So the psalmist is sowing, but he was sowing, as he was going, he was weeping, which is, signifies a soft heart. And, and, and let me tell you, a hard heart destroys the harvest. Do you agree with that? And so Isaiah 10, 12, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Now, we've been talking about sowing seeds of generosity that, that really uproot the weed of greed. And, and let me give you a couple verses. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, it says this. Now I say this, he who sows sparingly shall also reap what? So if you're going to sow seed, the Bible says, man, sow, don't sow sparingly because if you just put a little seed in the ground, you're going to get a, just a little bitty harvest. But if you put a lot of seed, you're going to get a, lot, you know, a significant harvest. And again, what I want to challenge you is, hey, I've tried before. And I didn't make it. I've been in the gym, let me, six days in a row in Jesus' name. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And, you know, that's not my favorite place. But I'm reading, I'm reading Rick Warren's latest book, The Daniel Plan, 40 Days to a Healthier Life. Man, it, so, because this is the deal. I failed every time I've tried, right? So what seed am I going to sow so that I don't fail this time? Well, I'm reading. There are other things I'm working on. And I just believe God can do it for you. He can, so, so he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. For each one must do as he purposed in his or her heart, not grudgingly or comp- under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful what? A cheerful giver. Now, chapter 8 and chapter 9 are all about giving. The whole thing is about generosity and this offering that they were taking up for the believers in Jerusalem. And so Paul said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Because you see, God's not, about, God's not about necessity or compulsion or I have to. Hey, do we have to go to church this weekend? Hey, do I have to come to that meeting? Man, that's obligation. That's necessity. That's not, that's, man, that's not, that's not over the top because I want to. See, do as each one has purpose in his or her heart. Does that make sense what it says? Purpose in our heart. For God loves a generous giver. And so, and so as you purpose in your heart, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Does that make sense? Now, should saints be marked by generosity? All right, that's weak as water. Should saints be marked by generosity? See, even if you're not generous, you know we ought to be. Now, again, if you're not a believer yet, praise God you get a free weekend. It's not for you. This is for people who have bowed their knee and they've confessed Jesus as Lord and they say, I believe the Bible and I'm aligning my life up with the Word. This is who we're talking to this weekend. Now, as Christ followers, did Jesus hold anything back in serving us? Did he hold anything back? No, but we hold so much. So we've been camping out last weekend and this weekend on on 1 Timothy chapter 6. And man, last weekend, I don't know where I've got more feedback on a message than last weekend. Because we're really going after the heart of the American culture, the consumerism, the, you know, this insatiable desire to acquire that, that, that many of us have. And so Paul tells Timothy, Paul writes Timothy about, really to us, believers in the American mindset, instruct or command, teach, help those who are rich in this present world. I know none of us believe we are, but we are. 
not to be conceited, nor fix their hope on the uncertainty of what? Riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that we may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now, most of us don't feel rich. Is that right? Most of us don't feel rich, and I finally realized why. Now, last week I said if you made, you know, uh, I forgot, 47,000, you were in the top 1% of wealth earners. Dave Ramsey came out with a new figure this last week. If you make $37,000 household income, you're in the top 1% of wage earners on the planet. Yeah, we don't feel rich. And let me tell you why. Are you ready for this? Listen, I am. Because we don't have any margins. So you don't feel rich because you don't have a bunch of money in the bank, right? Because you spend all that you what? Make. And so we don't feel rich. Because now Michelle and I sold our second house. Our plan has always been to build four houses. Build one, live in it, sell it, build two, live in it, sell it, build three. That's where, that's where we're at. Sell that, build a fourth, and then be debt-free. That's always been our plan. And so we sold house number two. We had the biggest, fattest check I've ever seen in my life. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, there was a time in America when you sold your house, you got money. And you're saying, well, I wish it was today. Well, so do I. But we got this big, fat check that we were going to build the next house with. We put that check in the bank. We moved into a, into a rent house. All of our bills decreased. We had money in the bank. We, had more, was, we were making more money, and we had less bills, so we had all this margin. For the first time, you know what I said? Well, dang, we're rich. What in the world are we going to do with all this money? This is awesome. And so, but we rarely feel rich. We just don't because we don't have margin. I'll tell you another time that I felt rich. Walking in the slums of Africa. Can I tell you, when people are living on like a quarter a day, when people are eating out of the dump, or when I was walking down the streets of Haiti and going one orphanage after another and seeing these, these people living in tents where 600 women every night were being raped, every single night. Man, can I tell you something? I felt rich. And you go on those trips and you want to give away everything. You know what I'm talking about? You want to give away your shoes and your shirt and you, and you leave and you come home and you think, I'll never forget that, man. I'm so rich. And after about a month of the American consumer mindset, the call to comparison, are you with me? We don't feel rich anymore, do we? So we forget those experiences because that consumerism kicks in. So now last week we talked about the migration of hope. That, that when we're poor, or we put our trust in God, then we, we start making money, and our hope migrates from money to God. Remember that? We talked about that. If you missed it, please get it. Proverbs says that the wealthy man, in his own mind, his wealth becomes a, a high tower, a high wall, his security. When the scripture is clear that we are warned not to put our, our hope in the uncertainty of riches, but the one who richly provides. And so the, the problem is, see, as if your hope migrates from, from, from Jesus to money, your hand closes. Are you with me? Because, see, you have more money, and then you see all that money can buy, and then you want to you you hoard that money. And so, and so what happens is, you know, you're poor, you don't have, you never, you're never going to have anything, so you don't care. It doesn't matter to give because I don't have enough anyway, so I'll, I'll give. Then you have money, and you close your hand because the hope comes in hoarding. That our hope migrates from money unto God. Does that make sense? Because see, you've never had money, and I got it, and you really like it. 
And so what did he say? Instruct those in this, in this present world. Instruct, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, arrogant, but fix your hope on God, on the, or on the, un, the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. See, God gives us stuff. But, but our hope is not to migrate to the stuff. Our hope is to stay on the giver. Now, we talked about last week, at the end of life, everybody puts their hope on God. Nobody puts their hope in money at the end of life, do they? And we realize how dumb that is. You know, I, I wonder how many of you thought this weekend of what we said last week, I will not put my hope in riches. Y'all remember that? But the one who richly provides. Anybody think about that this weekend? I mean, this last week. Man, I'm not, I, I've said it in my journal. I thought about it. will not put my hope in riches, but the one who richly provides. I don't want to hope migration. I want you to be able to bless me, God, a hundredfold service, even a hundredfold harvest, even financially. But I don't want my hope to migrate. Because we know what happens to so many people, and so that's why we're so warned. See, are you going to sow seeds that's about the provision or about the provider, about the gift or about the giver? So we, let's, what we want to do this weekend is break the cycle of hope migration, right? So how do we do that? How do we keep our hope on God? Even if God blesses us and he gives us financial resources, how do we now keep our hope? I'm so glad you asked. Look at verse 18 because he answers that question. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So let, let me tell you how, that you how you fix your hope on God and you don't let your hope migrate. Are you ready? You continue to sow the seeds of generosity. Because when you sow the seed of generosity, you pull the weed of greed. Does that make sense? You pull that weed. Now, some of you struggle with this. Now, listen. The, the fact that you struggle with it needs to let you know you need to do it even more. The fact that I did not want to go to the gym meant I needed to go even more. Are you with me? And so the fact that you, so you need to sow seeds, and what will happen is you're sowing those seeds. Your heart will change, and you'll become generous, and your hope will move to God, not on stuff. Does that make sense? It just, it's just the way it works. Now, let me tell you about wealthy people. I know none of us are, but let me tell you, whatever you get that, that way, you'll know how to act. See, wealthy people have more money, they have more time, they have more options. The only thing that money gives you is options. That means you have more to sow with. You have more to be generous with. Now, you know, our attendance drops most holidays and the summer. Why does our attendance drop? Why? Because we're gone. Where are we at? We're at the beach, the mountains, man. We're vacating. Now, many of you remember growing up, a annual summer vacation would have been a pipe dream. Any of y'all remember that? You didn't ever thought about going on a vacation every year. Now it's two or three. What happened? You got wealthy. If you take a vacation every year, come on. You think those people in the African slum think about going to, you know, Panama City or Destin for a week? No, they think, give us today my daily bread. Please don't let my kids get raped and don't let me get AIDS today as I eat garbage that people threw into the dump. See, see, we're rich. We're wealthy. It's what we are. That's where we're at. And so what happens now is you have, you have options. You have discretionary time. You know what? Some of you pay people to mow your yard. Some of you pay people to clean your house. Some of you pay people to wash your car. Why? Because you have discretionary money and you have discretionary time, and so you do that. But, but you ever notice what happens to things that are extra? Extra tends to get wasted, doesn't it? 
when it's extra, if you're not careful. Matter of fact, let me tell you how rich we are. Do you know that most people in this church work five days a week and make enough money to live for an entire seven days? You say, well, well, yeah. What's, what's that? What are you talking about? Man, Jesus said pay a man every day. Because, see, poor people need money every single day because they can't make it for seven days. Are you, are you with me? See, most of you got seven days worth of food. You got some money in the bank. You got all this kind of stuff. Matter of fact, do you know that we have many families? Let me tell you how wealthy we are. We have so many families that one person works five days a week and makes enough money for seven to live. You say, Chris, what are you talking about? That's not how poor people live. Poor people live hand to mouth. They live day to day. Are you with me? Day to day to day to day. I remember those days. So you have, we have discretionary time and we have discretionary money. See, if you work 60 hours a week, good healthy work week, long work week, you sleep eight hour days, you still have 52 hours a week. What are you going to do with that? See, instruct them to do good. Instruct them to be generous and ready to share. See, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. You know who we are? We're much people. Are you with me? We're much people. Let's be honest. Now, this is the problem. This is why we struggle with generosity. If you're listening, Sam, this is the deal. Don't miss this. See, we have a problem. We think that all we have is for us. See, we've made the assumption that all I have is for my consumption. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's mine. I work for it. Everything I have is mine. Not if you're a believer. See, if you're a believer, God provides for you. If you're a believer, God got you your job. God gave you your gifts. God provides for you. God has led you into, God has moved. Would y'all agree with that? And so because it's all his, see, what, what we, then we should be generous and give. But again, rich people, the, the, the more wealth you gain, the less generous you are. Because our desire to acquire increases, our appetite for stuff grows as we have more money. And so wealthy people may give larger sums of money, but they give less percentage of money. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Now, this is where we are. Now, let me tell you, in, in the area of giving and generosity, percentage, the percent of your gift is more important than the amount of your gift. Did y'all catch that? The percent, now, if I was to walk around the room in a microphone and say, okay, what percentage of your income do you give? Most of the people that attend this weekend would say, I don't know. I don't know. See, the creator of the universe is impressed not by the amount, but by the sacrifice. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you how I know that. If you'll turn with me in the Word of God to Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus lays that out for us. In Mark chapter 12, we find a, a story that many of you know well, the end of chapter 12, starting in verse 21. And Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Offering box. They had an offering box. People say, why do you have it? It's biblical. And so they put putting their money in the treasury. As many rich people were putting in large sums of money. Other translations say bags of gold. So they're putting in these bags of gold. Man, everybody's blown out of the water. Look, God, man, look. Ooh, look. A poor widow came up and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all 
the contributors to the treasury. Now, see, she put in basically one-fifth of one penny. She put in the smallest piece of money that was in circulation in that generation. Two copper mites, they were eeny-weeny, tea-tiny, and, and, and so she gave all. See, look at verse 44. For they, got, they gave out of their surplus, their extra, but she gave out of her what? Her poverty. She, she, put, put, she put in all that she owned and all that she had to live on. Jesus said she gave more than everybody that day in the offering. He said, now, wait a minute. A bag of gold and one-fifth of a penny. That's crazy, Chris. Somebody dropping a $100,000 check or a $10,000 check and somebody putting in a nickel? And Jesus said they gave more? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's him. Argue with him, not me. See, it's not the zeros on the end of the check. It's the sacrifice. (coughs) It's the sacrifice of the gift. Amen? Are y'all with that? That's what impresses Jesus. In America, poor people always outgive wealthy people. Why? Because they don't put their hope in money because they never think they'll ever have any. The median income in America, not, not, not the average, the median income is $50,000 household income. The average American family that makes $50,000 household income gives 6% to any kind of charity. Now, the problem is, again, most of us don't know what percentage of, the, of our income that we live on, that we save, or that we give. Does that make sense? So we don't, we don't even know what percentage of our income that, that we live on. So are you ready? Are you, I'm going to help you right here. Are you, if you're ready, say I am. Make a decision on what percentage of your income you're going to live on. Now let me give you a hint. Are you ready? Go low. Go low. Because, see, if you go low, if you spend less than you make, forget the government. Because they don't understand this. Are you with me? But they can print money. And so, and so if you'll go low, you'll build margin into your, into your personal finances. Hey, you ever heard anybody say, dang, I hate all that money I got in the bank. Crud. <laughs> Man, what am I going to do with that? You're not here every day. I can't believe how broke I am. You ever heard anybody, has anybody heard anybody grab this week somebody else is broke? So go low. Nobody ever, nobody ever grabs about that. Pick a percentage of what you're going to live on. Just pick it. I'm going to live on 60. I'm going to live on 70. Now, I can't help with the government. None of us live in 100% because the government gets their part before we get ours. Right? That was smart because we wouldn't give it if they didn't take it. <laughs> they have an army and prisons. And so they take it. Their part, we get to live on the rest of it. So pick a percentage. Now, and then pick a percentage you want to give. We have four levels of giver at Faith Promise. We have beginners, people that say, I'm just going to join the generosity journey. I've never really given before. I've never really been in church. I've always thought the church just wanted my money. And so, you know, I, I really feel like God wants me to be generous. And so, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin this journey. Others are what we call learners. They've been around for a while. They understand. They want to pull the weed agree. They want to live generously. And so they put God in their budget. We have a family that goes here that's been here since the, the day, the first day this church met. And this is what they said. We'll never pay more for our house than we give for the house of God. And for 19 years, they have faithfully given God more than they, than they spend on their, on their house. 
And so what, what, what we have in America and in the church is spontaneous givers. I feel guilty. I'll write a check. I see a commercial or we have a presentation from Compassion International. I want to adopt a kid. It's $40 a month and, or whatever it is, and, and I'll do that. And so then we feel generous because we've written a check. You know what I'm talking about? There's a need. We feel, hey, man, we're generous. What percent do you give? I don't know. You might not be generous. See, because you may be generous in your eyes, but are you generous in God's eyes? Let me ask you a question. Hypothetical. Who matters more, their opinion, yours or God's? I can't hear you. Blunt County, who's? Anderson. Hey, all our campuses, who's? God does. And so, and so if you want to make sure that your hope does not migrate from your stuff and your money, I mean, from, from God to your stuff and your money, then sow seeds of generosity. Put God in your budget and give God a percentage. You say, I don't want to give it to the church. Fine, give it to CARM. Man, give it to em- you, Emerald Youth Foundation. Give it to, you know, give it to Terry DuPont. Give it to some of our missionaries. But, but give it to the poor, but give it. The problem is we don't want to give it because our hopes migrated to money and we want more stuff. My kids are young. They used to, all, they used to tell me all the time, Dad, if you wouldn't give so much, we'd have more. I said, you don't understand. If I didn't give so much, we'd have less. We'd have less. And so set a percentage of, of what you're going to give God and then raise it a percentage every year. Just, just pre-decide what percentage you're going to live on, what percentage you're going to give, what percentage you're going to save. Pre-decide it. Most of us just spend everything that comes in. We don't have to make a decision. Actually, our only decision is which bills we're going to pay. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. Just elbow your spouse. He's talking about you. All right. So, so now... Now, let me ask you a question. Would you like to have more money to manage than, than have more margin in your finances? Man, we got some people here. I'm just looking at some people. Just, I scan the crowd. They're so, so astute financially. And Man, when hard times hit, it doesn't affect them because they have margin. They have savings. They're generous. They give. And God just keeps so predetermined, predecide. What are you going to live on? What are you going to give? What are you going to save? And don't allow the weed agree to take hold in your heart. Don't allow your hope to migrate from, from, from God to gold or from Jesus to mammon. Don't, don't do it. Now, the Bible says you ought to give 10%. That's what it says. In fact, the Bible says if you're a believer, the first 10% of everything you have is to be brought to the house of God. It's for the Lord. But listen, you say, man, I, that's, I can't believe that. Just take a step. Amen. Take a cotton-picking step out of, out of greed and into generosity. Say, you know, I'm just going to start giving. I've never given to anybody. Some of you guys are so cotton-picking stingy. I mean, if you open your billfold, malls will fly out. <laughs> I mean, you, you, man, everybody knows. I mean, don't ask that guy for money. Don't ask that gal for money. Even your kids know. Your spouse knows if you're married. And so, man, God, begin to move to, to allow God to soften your heart. You want a hundredfold harvest? You've got to pull the weight of greed. Don't give God your leftovers. There's so many people when they get ready to come to church. This is, the, this is even the more, hey, what are we going to give this week? Well, you know, we paid the house note on this, and we don't really have any money. Okay, we'll give some next week. Does that sound familiar? Don't give God your leftovers. Matter of fact, I want to challenge you. Just set it up online. Set it up online. 
just that recurring gift. When you get paid, you know, and it just automatically drafts out of your account. We don't have to track it. We don't have to chase it. We don't have to count it. It just immediately goes in the account. It's automatic. You can go to our, our faith promise. You can always view your, your contribution statements. It's just, it is so easy. But you can text it. You can, you can put it in the offering box. You can. And there's so many ways to give. It's, it's just unbelievable. But pick. Generosity is a priority, and, and, and pick a percentage. Jesus said where your treasure is. Where your what is? Where your what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if your treasure is in your money, that's where your heart is. Man, if you're a little league coach, you spend all this time. You know what? Man, your heart's in the little league field. If you serve at Faith Promise and you give at Faith Promise, and man, you love it here, your heart's here with us. Amen. And our hearts ought to be for the kingdom of God. It ought, this ought not be an, an obligation or a necessity, man. This ought to be an obsession, building the kingdom of God together, being a part of the family of God. Does that make sense? Now, listen, we can change the world or the world can change us. Believer, I think we ought to be the one to change the world. I don't think the world ought to be changing us, making us greedy, materialistic monsters that we want more and more and more and more and more. So don't be emotionally given. Well, I, you know, I'll give every now and then and when I feel like it. Don't be emotionally driven. Be biblically driven. Pick a percentage. I'm going to live on this. I'm going to give this. I'm going to save this. He said, I've tried before. It's never worked. Try it again and ask God to help you. Tell God you want to sow seeds of generosity and, and biblical financial stewardship so that God is free to bless you a hundredfold harvest. You can't imagine the stories I've heard in three weeks into this year. We're not even three weeks into the year yet. And you can't imagine all the stories and emails, how God's answering prayer, what God is doing. Man, God loves to bless us. Y'all believe that? Now, I got saved. I was 22 years old, drug addict, but I worked construction. I made good money when I worked about three months a year. The other nine months I partied. I'd work for two or three months and I'd shoot drugs and do everything the rest of the time. That's what I did. And so, but when I got saved and went to church, I immediately, first weekend, wrote a tie check. First weekend. I just started right off the bat. I mean, just I, I still have my old giving records. I have my giving record in my office from 1982. And so, man, it's, and, 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 you know, I just started giving 10%, then moved it up. Michelle and I got married, and we were so dirt. I'm talking dirt poor. We said, you know what, we, let's just give 20%. Again, poor people give more because they'll never have enough. Amen? So we said, we don't have enough living, giving 10, let's give 20. We just said, we're going to sow seeds of generosity, and we watched what God did. He didn't do it overnight. He didn't change it in one fell swoop, but God moved. Are you with me? Now, in every seat, every other seat, we've got extras if you don't get one as a budget worksheet. Just going to give you this. Take this with you. Start the process. There's a, there are percentages on the back of, of just averages, what you would put in your budget for those things. Put it in there. Are you with me? Now, there's another card in your seat that we do annually. It's right here, developing, a, a, developing heaven's heart, the heart of generosity. Is God generous? Are we to be generous? Amen. So look at it. I'd like to, uh, the, I commit to generously give as, number one, a beginner. I've never, I've never even given. Great. I'm more thrilled about that than anything else. You know, man, people just starting. Check that. Our number two, I'm a learner, and I'm going to start putting God by this percent in my budget. Now, we're not going to come and ask for your bank records. <laughs> we're not going to knock on your door, although it's not a bad idea. And then, 
the core giver is 10% or lavish, I'm going to give beyond the tithe. I'm going to give more than that. And listen, if you've never done it, check the box. I'm going to commit to tithe, give 10% of income for 90 days. If, if you're not glad you did, we'll give all your money back. Now, we put that in a blue box because every now and then somebody leaves here mad. I know you find that hard to believe. But every now and then somebody leaves here mad. You know what? A few people have told me I want my money back. What are you talking about? Well, I've been tithing for five years. I want it all back because you're smoking crack. Get out. We're not giving you anything. <laughs> in Jesus' name. And so, and so, listen, this is the deal. This is just to help you. We're letting you, we're letting you have part of our faith. Just build on it. Here it is. Just check. I've never given a man, and I'm scared of death. Check it. You tied for 90 days. If you're not glad you did, we'll give all your money back. Man, listen, if we can believe John 3.16, we can believe Malachi 3.10. Test me now on this and see if I want to open up the windows of open heaven and pour out a blessing such that you cannot contain it. And so now, I've been mentioning this for about three or four weeks. Some of you need some help financially, and I'm talking about learning how to handle money. See, what everybody says is if I just had more, it would be okay. No, if you know how to handle it, it wouldn't matter how much you have. You'd spend all you have, right? Right? And so if that's you, I need help on a budget. Check it. All of our, class, all of our campuses, check it. I like to attend a, biblical, a, a class on biblical money management on Sunday mornings or on a weeknight. Check it. Put your name, your email, or phone. You please, in Jesus' name, we'll answer. Put it on there. God's guarantee on the back. Fill this out. We got it. We're, our, our, our praise team's coming back out. We're going we're gonna to worship, give you time to fill this out. And, uh, and so, uh, if you listen, if you do not have one, matter of fact, if, at all of our campuses, the ushers would just get in place. I know you guys got some extra of these cards, of, of these two. So, if you guys would, somebody help me right here. Chuck, some of y'all, Chuck, y'all grab these. And because I'm hearing some people say, I want one. And so I'm going to keep talking. They're going to come in just a second with some more cards. If that's you, slip your hand up. Somebody will come and give you a card. Let me tell you one more thing. Well, actually, about 12 more because I'm trying to hurry. Are you with me? This is the deal. Next weekend, we have a Next Steps class. If you're not a core member, you say, I'm not sure. You have a coin, this coin that says the core. Faith Promise established 1995. If you don't have this, you're not in the core. So, well, I don't understand why. I've been here. Man, I've been here. Listen, have you been in Next Steps class? You just call it 101, Next Steps. Sign up every single campus next weekend and go. Go and find out what it needs. Should we all be a part of the core? Should we all be a part of the core? Every campus then, hey, man, just sign up. Take your communication card and sign up. Just sign up. Sign up. Come on. Let's do the deal. Are you with me? So Michelle, come out and lead us, and I'm going to close this. But, but as we worship, just a few minutes to give you an opportunity to fill cards out because, you know, it's like a small book this weekend. I understand that. I'm so sorry. But it's a new year, and I want to challenge you to get on board. Amen. Hey, the, the boat is moving, but don't get left at the dock. Get on the boat, man. We're on the Jesus cruise, moving for the kingdom of God. So fill out your communication card or whatever you need. Campus pastors, if you guys would, uh, would, would make your way down. And let me tell you one thing we're going to do. And matter of fact, Michelle, just close the service, and, and all you campus pastors can close the service. Uh, every service, the campus pastors will be up. You guys come on up again. Raise your hand if you need a card at any campus. 
But, but when this service is over at every campus, we're doing a, what we call a connection event because I Am Faith Promise begins on Super Bowl Sunday. And so if you're not in a group, I want to challenge you. Uh, at Pellissippi, during this worship, we're going we're gonna to leave. At the other campuses, you just, you just main seated, and your campus pastor or your small group pastor at all of our campuses will give you direction. But at, at, at Pellissippi, when we stand up in just a minute, Man, when we, we stand up, I just want to ask, if you're not in a group, if you're not in a group, should you be in one? Should you be in one? Then when we stand in worship, I want you to head out. You can, if you've signed a commitment card or a decision card, put them in the offering boxes. But, but hey, man, let's get ready. You're going to absolutely love it. I'll do, I do half the teaching video, and then the small group leader will do the other half. I am faith promise. What does it mean to belong to a body of God? Holy Spirit, follow in this house. Holy Spirit of God, follow in power, follow in anointing. We need you in these next couple holy moments. God, lead people that will step out uh, for, for a group, that will step out and get connected to a group. Lord, especially people, we're going to even have, we're gonna have some groups start, at, at start on each campus getting ready for, for the alignment. God, we're, we're just trying to help them. So stir them, Lord Jesus, to just step out, to do, to, to, to do what we need to do. God, there's so much. Please move in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...